0: Someone found gold in the Sierra Nevada. Hundreds of thousands of people from all over the country came to California in hopes of finding gold and not just from all over the country, from other countries all over the world. In China, in China. Yeah. People the news too. They have been suffering from open borders. The- wait, 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 hold on. Wait, everybody really needs to hear this part. Where they come from? Yeah, share with me.
1: In China, people got the news too. They had been suffering through the opening wars against England, and now there was an opportunity for a better life. They had called California, and especially the Bay Area, Gold Mountain, and
0: sent money and news back home. Then other opportunities came along. Railroad companies were building tracks all across the United States. And lots of the Chinese workers who had come to California for the gold rush helped build the railroad. They also worked in mines.
1: And plus, they started a lot of businesses, uh, especially in California and especially in San Francisco. There were so many Chinese immigrants and Chinese Americans in San Francisco that there was a big section of the town called Chinatown. And there still is. Can you imagine the Bay Area without Chinese culture?
0: That would be terrible, but there were some people who complained about how big an influence Chinese immigrants were having. As soon as people began coming from China, people who are already here in the United States tried to make laws keeping them out, or at least keeping them down. The government of California put a special tax on foreign miners. And the state made so much money off the gold found by Chinese gold seekers.
1: I heard that the ministers and congregations that were kind to Chinese immigrants got a lot of flack too.
0: That's right, they did. And then in 1882, the United States Congress did something it had never done before and has never done since written an immigration law specifically to ban the people of one country. That was the Chinese Exclusion Act. People couldn't enter the country from China, and Chinese immigrants who are already in the US couldn't become citizens.
1: Meanwhile, in San Francisco, Chinese residents could only buy a house in Chinatown. If they wanted to live in another neighborhood, they could rent a house, but not buy it. San Francisco even passed laws against the ringing of gongs. Lots of laws were passed specifically against a single kind of business, laundries, which were mostly owned by Chinese immigrants. And if a Chinese man was arrested in San Francisco, his long braid was cut off by law. People can sure get mean when they feel like there's a new group of people in town different from them that they can pick on.
0: Yep. The Chinese community fought back against these racist laws. They had an organization called the Chinese Benevolent Association that helped Chinese immigrants in tough situations, and it defended the right of Chinese people to make a home in the U.S. like anyone else. And at least the state of California promised equality in one thing. Every child in California had the right to go to public school. So Mary and Joseph Tape, who had both come from China when they were just children themselves, decided to enroll their oldest child, their daughter Mamie, in their local public school. And the headmaster of the school, Jenny Hurley, said, no. She said, I don't care what the state says. The San Francisco School Board has a policy No Chinese kids in white schools, and this school is a white school.
1: The Tate's were very upset by this injustice, so they sued Ms. Harley and the school board, demanding that their daughter Mamie be allowed to go to school. And Mamie Tape won. And then the school board appealed to a higher court. And Mamie won again and then the school board appealed to the California Supreme Court
0: and Mamie won again one of the justices wrote she has the same right to enter a public school that any other child has but the superintendent of schools
1: in San Francisco had been making other plans. He asked a member of the California legislature to help pass bills that would create a separate school system for Chinese children. They passed it the very next day and made a law establishing, quote, separate schools for children of Mongolian or Chinese descent. When such separate schools are established, Chinese or Mongolian children must not be admitted into other
0: schools. And right away, San Francisco created a Chinese primary school. It was public, so they could say that they were giving a public education to every child. But only Chinese kids could go to this new school and only white kids could go to the white schools.
1: It seemed like Mammy won the court case, but lost anyways. What did she do?
0: Well, her mother wrote a furious letter to the school board and published it in the newspaper. Now, Mary Tape had come to the US when she was only 11 and she never had much education herself, but she was eloquent. Here's a little bit of what she wrote. I see that you are going to make all sorts of excuses to keep my child out of the public schools. Dear sirs, will you please tell me, is it a disgrace to be born a Chinese? Didn't God make us all? What right have you to bar my children out of the school because she is a Chinese descent? There is no other worldly reason that you could keep her out except that. I suppose you all go to churches on Sundays? Do you call that a Christian act to compel my little children to go so far to a school that is made in purpose for them? She said she wasn't going to
1: send her children to the
0: Chinese Mm -mm. school,
1: but it was the only school that allowed them to attend, so they did go there.
0: And several years later, the Tape family moved to Berkeley where there wasn't a law preventing them from buying a house in the neighborhood they liked or preventing the kids from going to the neighborhood schools. Eventually, things were changed in San Francisco. More and more Chinese American children enrolled in the white schools and some of the schools allowed it. It took a long time to get the law to be on their side, but in the meantime, Chinese Americans took courage from the example of Mamie and her parents. And through the Chinese Benevolent Association and in so many other ways, they supported each other.
1: Like this song we're about to sing. Oh, yes? Yes, it's all about how we can get through hard times by helping each other. Please join us in singing Lean On Me. It's number 1021 in the teal hymnal, but we're singing it more like the Bill Withers does. So if you need the words, follow along on the words on your screen or in your order of service.
2: Thank you so much.
0: That song is a little hard for me to speak after, it just always... I just think about generations of South Africans marching and singing and risking so much and having that faith that whatever else other human beings were doing, they were in the light of God. Kind of reminds me of our story that we're about to tell right now. By the way, anybody who likes to come down and sit on our our quilt here, we're gonna have a comfy rug there um, sometime soon, but they have a beautiful quilt that's a spot to just hang out during the service. So you are always welcome to come there and be close. So right now in 2023, there's an argument going on in Florida about how to teach the history of the United States and the state of Florida. The part people disagree about the most is the history of African-Americans. Awesome. I like it when the quilt has people on it. Hey, does anybody remember the Wayback Machine from Storytime in Zoom services? Remember that? (laughs) You remember the sound it makes? Or maybe your Wayback Machine makes a different sound. If we all make Wayback Machine sounds, we will go way back in time. Are you ready?
2: <laughs> Good sounds.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are we still in Florida? Yep, we're in
0: Jacksonville, Florida, uh, but it isn't 2023 anymore. No, it's 1860. Slavery is the law of the state enslaved african americans aren't allowed to read and write much less go to school i do not like this year it's really bad you know what let's get into the machine again and go to hmm how about we go forward just nine years to 1869 okay why 1869 you'll see okay all right help me out everyone Oh, yeah, yeah, much, much better. This is Jacksonville, 1869. The Civil War ended four years ago. It was terrible, but the Union won, and it is now against the law to enslave people. Yes. A period called Reconstruction Rebuilding is underway. African-Americans who were denied all their rights are now helping to run the government. There's a Freedmen's Bureau to help people who were enslaved to get their new free lives underway. And one of the first things they build in Jacksonville is, can you guess? A school. A school for black children. This is the year. They start a school and name it after Edwin Stanton, who was a white abolitionist and President Abraham Lincoln's Secretary of War. And in 1877, President Ulysses Grant, who had been the leader of the Union Army and won the Civil War, comes to visit Stanton school. Oh, look at that cute little six-year-old boy raising his hand. (gasps) Wow, he is shaking the president's hand. Now, that was pretty cool for that little boy, but it was also really cool for President Grant even though he didn't know it because that little boy is going to grow up to be a famous writer and teacher and principal and activist. His name is James Weldon Johnson. And he and his brother, Rosamond, go to Stanton School. And their mother teaches there for 20 years. Now, things get pretty bad in Jacksonville and Florida and the whole country again soon. And we are going to need people like the Johnsons. Wait,
1: uh, slavery is over. African-Americans are building schools
0: and helping run the government. Things are getting better. Unfortunately, a lot of people want to stop all those good things from happening. And later, the same year that President Grant visits Stanton School and shakes little James Weldon Johnson's hand, a new president comes in and makes a deal that ends Reconstruction. Let's take the Wayback Machine to 1900, okay? (laughs) I know, it's a little disorienting, all these movements. Whoa, hey, that man looks
1: familiar. That, That man at the school.
0: You mean the principal of Stanton School? Yeah, you're right. That's James Weldon Johnson, all grown up. He's running the school that he went to as a boy. And he's a writer, too, a really good one. He's working on a poem right now. Has Reconstruction come back? No, things are really bad for African Americans in Florida. There is so much terrorism against them by white supremacists, especially lynchings. And now, Principal Johnson is trying to write a poem in honor of the birthday of the late President Abraham Lincoln.
1: Who won the Civil War and helped make things better for African Americans? hmm
0: I think Principal Johnson is thinking about how bad things were under slavery and how hard they have worked to make life better and more free. How they've come so far and how they are hopeful but know they still need to have faith and stay on this path toward freedom. He's telling the history of his people so that they can be proud and strong even when things seem to be getting worse. Amy, how do you know what he's thinking? Can you read minds? No, I've read his poem. (laughs) In a few days, 500 students, 500 students from Stanton School are going to recite it at a big celebration. And then James Weldon Johnson's brother, Rosamond, who's a terrific composer, is going to set it to music. Oh, wow, I want to hear
1: the poem and the music, too.
0: Let's do even more. Let's sing them. Will you rise in body or spirit? And we'll join our voices to Lift Every Voice, one Lift every voice.
1: So, my friends, we have to get back into the Wayback Machine and head to 1965. So, let's go. <gasps> and here we are. It is 1965, and a new day is dawning in America. For the first time ever, all across the country, schools were ordered to desegregate. Students could individually pick now what school they wanted to go to. Before 1965, children of different races didn't go to the same school. There were white schools, there were black schools, there were Chinese schools. These schools, they were not all the same. They were not equal. For example, in Mississippi, where this story takes place, black children's schools were crumbling and falling apart while the white children got new buildings. White children also got new textbooks while the black children got the torn-up hand-me-downs. This wasn't fair. This wasn't equal. How could you learn anything at school if your textbook was falling apart?
0: Ruth was one of the many middle daughters of her family of 15 kids. She worked on the cotton farm in Mississippi with her whole family. She picked cotton six days a week, Monday through Friday morning from 8 to 12, and then went, uh, went uh, for, for, in the morning, went to school in the morning, and then went back to keep picking cotton until sunset. Before 1965, she would watch the white children's bus go by, home from an afternoon of learning, instead of in the fields, like her. When 1965 came and students could pick what school they would attend, Ruth saw the gleaming opportunity for a better future. She chose to attend the school where whites had attended, even if that meant she was the only black student there. Her siblings followed her courage. The Carters were now the first black family to ever enroll in the school.
1: And now they just had to get through the first day. Imagine walking into school on your first day. You're already nervous enough as it is. But there is a whole nother level here. There is fear within the Carters because they are the only black family, the only black students in the entire school, ever. And then there's this ever-constant racist backdrop of meanness and bullying and cruelty that was the awful everyday reality for the Carters and then add on top of attending your first day of school with the entire town's police force and the National Guard walking you to school so you can enter the building unhurt. It was a big, big day for the Carters.
0: Fortunately, nothing happened on the first day of school, but the next day when the police and the National Guard had gone away, students began to be mean to the Carters because they were black. When they could, they stuck together at school, determined to learn. Ruth spoke of this time. During that time, it seemed like I was filled up with hate. I hated everything. Then we started having these little sessions at home in the afternoon after school. It was almost like therapy. We would sit down and Mama would say, how did things go today at school? We would talk about what happened, and a lot of times we would cry together.
1: And then the very next day, after consoling and comforting each other, the Carters would do it all over again. Every day they fought for their civil rights, their rights to education, to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, with each page that they turned in class and every word that they wrote, and every time that they turned a cheek or ignored
0: cruelty. They knew that education was a gift. It gives you the tools to understand and deal with our complicated world. Education was denied to their ancestors who were enslaved. The Carters knew it was so, so precious and it could change their lives forever.
1: And it did. The Carter family were the first black family to graduate from Drew High School in Drew, Mississippi. All the student siblings went on to get university degrees. They took their knowledge, and they soared high. Let's carry the story of the Carter family in our hearts. Let's mirror their courage, their tenacity. Tenacity is when you keep, 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 keep going, even though it's hard. It's the endurance after the courage. So let's call out racism. Let's call out bullying, meanness, cruelty when we see it. Let's make our words kind. And let's remember the first principle that everyone is important and worthy of respect, worthy
2: of going to school. So.
1: We are still in 1965. We haven't gone back to 2023 in our way back machine, but I'm going to ask you guys to participate in an activity with me. We're going to try to imagine if we could change things for the Carters. I'm going to name certain things. And if you would like to do this activity, r- wave your hands up air. Ah! Okay. <laughs> We're going to practice. So, would you like to eat ice cream with the Carters? Yeah. Excellent. All right. So if you were at Drew High School, would you sit next to the Carters at lunch? Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Would you climb on top of the school roof and do a goofy dance? <laughs> would you walk with the Carters to school? Yeah. Yeah. Would you take over the school bus and drive all around town with disco music blasting. Oh, okay. <laughs> Good to know. Would you comfort the Carters when they're sad? Yeah. Yeah. Would you call out people when they're being mean and racist to the Carters by saying things like, I can't believe you are acting that way? Yeah. yeah. Would you link arms with the Carters? Would you be their friend? All right, excellent. So let's go back to our Wayback Machine. And here we are in 2023. (laughs) You know, these choices aren't just for 1965 as we see in our stories today. Racism is still alive and well, unfortunately, here in 2023. It requires constant work, constant kindness, constant persistence, endurance to counter. You know that everyone belongs in the circle. No one should be excluded. It takes work to build a beloved community where everyone, no matter what skin color, what ethnicity, where they come from is equal. It all, it takes all of us. Every time we act, we make a choice in the world that we create for others around us. It's up to us to build a fair and just world for all of us. So if you commit to that, please say, I do. No. Excellent. (laughs) So please rise now in body or spirit and join us in singing another South African freedom chant, freedom is coming. It's number 1035 in the teal hymnal and the words are on the screen or in the order of service.